As always, it's so good to be with you. And how are we doing this morning? All right, I see we got, we need our sunglass section over here. That sun's been going, you know, or that way, not this way. That's in the evening. But uh, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, we had a great graduation this week. It was fantastic. There were over 70 eighth graders who graduated from St. Albert the Great. You have a lot to be proud of, a whole lot to be proud of. You're a part of that ministry. Did you know that through your stewardship, you help provide a good Catholic education to over 700 students? St. Albert the Great is the second largest school in the Archdiocese of Louisville. And uh, we're proud of that because we're helping young people to grow not only academically, the academics are fantastic here, but to grow in character, to grow in their, their Catholic faith. Really, to give them, to provide young people with everything they need in order to be successful in life. So hats off to you. And then the other thing is I saw my first monarch caterpillar in the garden this week. Uh, that, was, that was so, so really cool to, to see that little person uh, just chewing away on the milkweed. Boy, they love to do that. It, what a thrilling thing that was. Well, for two years now, I've been studying the love of God with St. Francis de Sales. I like, uh, I like what Pope Francis recently said about St. Francis de Sales. This is, uh, we're right in that time of the anniversary of his birth, his death, and uh, the writing of two of his great books, the two of his greatest books, was Introduction to the Devout Life, and I'm sure some of you have read that. And the other one is the treatise on the love of God. And I've been focusing on the treatise of the love of God. Uh, it's so powerful. Uh, St. Francis called him, uh, in a recent letter to the church, he called him the doctor of love. St. Francis is a saint. He's a doctor of the church. But he's, uh, Pope Francis calls him the doctor of love because he speaks so eloquently, so beautifully, and of, of the great depths of the love of God. And it, it truly is fascinating uh, to just to read him. I, this, is, this is amazing. I know I'm a slow reader, but it's taken me two years to read 50 pages of this book. Two years, and there's only 600 pages. So I figure I'll be done in about 20 years. Well, that ought to be about right. That's pretty good, isn't it? But if I, you know, the inspiration, just even coming here this morning, um, some of the inspirations that I receive are just so powerful. Boy, 20 years of that, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be one happy person. Well, one of the benefits of growing in the love of God and the understanding of how God loves you is that it opens the scriptures to you in a, in a new way. You know, the scriptures are alive. They, they speak to us. Um, they're, not, they're dynamic. They're not stagnant or stale. And you can read it. You can read God's word one time, and then a year later you can read it, and you get something different out of it, you know? That's the power of God's word. It's alive. And as we go through experiences of life, we begin to realize, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. You know, I never thought about it that way. And that's what's happened to me as I've grown in, in the love of God. It's almost like when I read the scriptures, there's bells and whistles that go off as I'm reading it. And uh, it's like things that I've looked at a million times in reading the scriptures, but 
boy, when I read it through the lens of divine love, it's like, man, that's really, really powerful. And today's readings are that way. They, they truly are the readings of the ascension. And um, in preparing this homily, there were two, two bells and whistles that went off. I want to share those with you this morning uh, because they're so, so important as we think about the beauty of God's word and the work of Christ in the world and in the world that is to come. The first thing that I saw as reading all the scriptures and putting them together is there's a tremendous sense of continuity and flow of God's plan of divine love for our lives. It just flows. Now, part of being a scientist in today's world is to dissect everything. We like to take this piece and dissect it and look at it, and then another piece and dissect it, you know, take little pieces of it. And uh, that's good, we need that for sure, but one of the dangers that you have to watch out is you can dissect things so smallly that small that uh, you don't see the whole picture. You lose a sense of the wholeness, the totality of the picture. And because God's love is so great, that's easy to do. And we can, we, what we end up doing is picking up fragments of God's love. But it's important also to look at the total, the overall picture of God's love and, and how much that God loves us. It's the, it's the 30,000 foot view, you might call it. You know, when you're up there in the jet airplane, you're looking out and you can just see miles and miles. Sort of the big picture. And it's really important to understand the big picture. The big picture is important to understand, but why is it so important to understand? Well, one thing is it gives us a sense of continuity of flow. Uh, if you take away all of the spectacular, the miraculous things, I'm not saying do that, but if you do just for a moment to listen to the flow of what God is doing in the world and has been doing since the beginning of creation, there's a continuity to it. It's, it to me, it's a seamless transition. It, it truly is. And that says something to me about the credibility of God's word because every piece ties together seamlessly. And out of it, what you end up with is this beautiful tapestry where there's this woven golden thread through the whole thing where you see the movement of God in the world over the entire course of time. And what a beautiful, beautiful thing that is. And, and so we see, when we do that, we see consistency we see harmony, we see unity, we see order, all the things that are important to us to build a beautiful total picture. And I'll tell you this, there is no way, I mean, if it weren't for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there is no way that this thing could be put together. I mean, it's just too much. I thought I was gonna take off in the car this morning, not speeding, but just sort of go off into heaven as I was contemplating God and uh, thinking about the beauty of God. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And that's what we see taking place, uh, particularly in the course of Easter. Let me give you a continuity of flow of your faith. And there's, because there's so many parts of it that are especially tied 
to the season of Easter. Listen to this. See if you can, if, you know, take away the miraculous if you can. Just see if you get a flow to this thing and see how beautiful it is. Well, first of all, the prophets over the centuries proclaimed that the Messiah would one day appear and restore us to God. Okay? And then God, in the person of Jesus, came into the world to fulfill God's loving will that we would be reconciled to him. Sounds good flowing, doesn't it? And then Jesus, the Son of God, takes off his royal robes in heaven. He empties himself of all of his glory and is born in a manger to become the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. See that flow? You see that sense of continuity there, harmony? Jesus suffered greatly for us and gave his life for us on the cross. Jesus has now restored us to God. We're restored to him. And now beginning with Peter, Jesus has established the church on earth to take care of the father's children while he is away from them. And then Jesus promises, as we hear today, to return and take us to be with him one day where we will live with him forever in the Father's house. Do you feel that seamlessness of that? Isn't that beautiful? That's the power of the gospel. That's the message of the gospel. And just before he ascends, Jesus tells all those to, that are going to remain on the earth just a little while longer to share the good news of what God has done for them through their words, through their deeds, and through their actions, and invite others to do the same. And then we hear in today's reading, there's this continuity. Jesus, see, Jesus is equipping, he's supplying us with everything that we need to have this beautiful life. And he promises us that the Holy Spirit would come and live within them soon to empower them. And then what does Jesus do after that? Well, there's nothing left. Mission accomplished, you know. I've accomplished the mission here on earth. So it's time for me to go back to heaven, to home, to put my royal robes on, assume my glory, and sit at the right hand of the Father in order to pray for you, in order to intercede for you to the Father because he loves you. And then after a while, Jesus will return victoriously, and he will take us home to be with him forever. When the father tells Jesus, it's time for you to go, son, and bring the children home. And then we will be with God for all eternity in the heavenly city that he has prepared for us. Do you feel that continuity? Do you feel the strength of your, of your faith in that? Do you see why it's important that we look at the big view and not only dissect things into little piece. See, what you begin to see is you see this beautiful picture, see, that, that has been imagined by God ever since the beginning of creation. See, God's love for us is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. Now, I know it's hard. I mean, as I read that, it's like, my God, Lord, you are so good. I mean, you really are. You're so good. It's amazing that such a life could exist today. Well, I agree with that, particularly if you get caught up in just living in today's life, because today's life will make you miserable if you're not careful. But uh, you know what you have to do? I like what, uh, 
I like what the apostle's response is. Believe. <laughs> Believe. But there's a beautiful continuity of flow of expression of God's love in what we call the history of salvation. The second impression is this that I received is that the beautiful love story begins now. It begins now. A lot of people today, they think because the world is in such a poor state of affairs that we got to wait till heaven till we can really begin to enjoy life. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. Eternity begins when? Right back there. That's when eternity begins. Uh, 1030 Mass, we're going to have six children who are going to enter into eternity today. Isn't that beautiful? Had over 100 this year, haven't we, Laura? I mean, that's massive. That's an amazing number of children. But uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's when eternity begins. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. Jesus has given us all of these things. And, you know, it really, it, it saddens me sometimes because it, it doesn't have to be this way, but it saddens me when I hear somebody, when, when you talk about these tremendous truths about, the, about life as we've just looked at, and they say, well, yeah, that sounds good, but it really doesn't have anything to do with me now. That's more of a futuristic kind of thing. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with now. You know, I learned all that in my religious education class in the fifth grade. I know all that. You know, when people tell me I know everything, Oh, I just sort of shake my head inside. I think that's <laughs> nothing. That's not possible. It's absolutely impossible. Uh, no, there's nothing. There's really nothing new here. Really? Well, perhaps maybe in your head. I think this is one of the challenges that we have is we've got to get it in our heart. We've got to get the good news of Jesus and what God, his love for us, We've got to get it into our heart because when it's in our heart and in our mind, it becomes the driving force of life. It's what drives you in life. Uh, it's, it is life, you might call it. A lot of people sort of see their faith as one compartment or one piece of their life. No, God never saw it that way, never sees it that way. It is your life. It is the totality of your life, and this eternity begins now. Yes, now, even in the, in the midst of all this trouble and tribulation, everything, everything flows out of the center of God's great love for you. I like to call it heaven on earth because that's really what it is. Think about this, and you will live. Today, every thought, every feeling, action, word, decision, breath, step, gesture, habit, praise, glance, and smile flows out of this divine love. Everything. See, it's to live what it is. It's to live in the center of God's love. And what happens when you live in the centrality of God's love it's the driving force of your life. It drives everything, right down to your breath. You give praise for that. What's the first thing I did this morning when my eyes woke up? I love you, Lord. I thank you for this day. You know, just 
for the gift of life. I mean, that's, that's the way it, everything is driven by that, everything. So let me ask you this question. Do you strive to make God your life? Is God, as the scriptures teach us, your all in all? God bless you. I love you.